keep being sexy. How about that? Just keep being sexy. Welcome back, Manifest Motherhood audience. We are so grateful to be here at episode six with our last, but certainly not least, mom. I had the pleasure of meeting Shalita actually in a master's program for counseling. Yeah, Shalita is killing it in the master's program. She's an amazing mother. Every time I get the pleasure to hang out with Shalita and her son, I always absorb so much about her parenting style. She's so communicative with her young one, um, so patient. She's great with like giving him transitions. Yeah, she just really meets him where he's at and understands like his cognitive level for his age but anyways i'll let shalita take on the floor and and let her speak for herself here we are with shalita welcome yay hello thank you for that wonderful introduction yeah it was great i appreciate it yeah so it's shalita's time to tell her story and we can start with our opening question which is tell us about your motherhood journey i guess it just begins from you know the day i i got pregnant really that's the beginning really just thinking about what it felt like to be pregnant in the first trimester, the second and the third. I mean, they're all different. And just having that experience is really important. Just knowing what the differences that you'll experience, like in your first trimester, you're you're definitely going to be very tired. You just kind of have to roll with it. You can't you can't beat it. <laughs> pretty much, you, that time is for you to rest. So I I really had to slow down and not be moving as fast as I used to. And I couldn't, you know, hit the gym like I used to. I used to lift weights like three hours a day for five days a week. Um, So I had to stop that. And um, my OBGYN, she told me, she's like, just do yoga, just do yoga and (laughs) relax. And it's really going to benefit you. And it did. I think that in the long run, after doing yoga for eight, nine months. It really helped me. It helped me to be centered on the day that I was giving birth um, and just to be prepared uh, mentally. When you give birth, that's a whole nother thing. It's something you've never experienced. It's something that as women, we have this opportunity to give birth, to give life. And it's a beautiful experience. And it's important to be present and to be in your body. And I think meditation and yoga is really helpful for women that are pregnant, people in general. And so that was something that I definitely took on. And I still do it. I still meditate. I still do yoga till this day. Um, And so I think that's where it began. I can keep going. You know, I have a lot to say, but I'm not sure if you had anything else specific to to ask me about it. No, I definitely want you to keep going. But I would like to say, you know, prior to this, we were catching up. And I really appreciated how you named like, When you do become pregnant and you do embark on motherhood, understanding that, you know, not to compare it to what you were and who you were before. Like it's a transformation and you are going to transform and be on a completely different journey. So just embracing it and surrendering to what pregnancy and motherhood is. Yes, exactly. And and that is hard. That is something that is not easy to do. It, it's something, it's about acceptance. It's about like taking the moment to be like, okay, I can't lift these heavy weights up. You know, I can't, I can't work for 16 hours a day or 10 hours a day. 
you know, or I can't be on my feet for this long. So just, just accepting that your body is tired, that you are carrying another life inside of you and just, and just embracing it. Like I'm exhausted. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep at six (laughs) o'clock instead of 10 or, you know, 12 a.m. Um, and just embracing that um, and accepting it and, and realizing that it's going to be beneficial for you, really, that sleep. And you probably won't get this sleep that you're getting <laughs> once the baby is born. I guarantee you, you will not sleep. I'm sorry. That's just how it goes. Even when they're three years old, you're still not going to get that much sleep. Once you become a parent, sorry, maybe like six hours a night. And that's good sleep. Six hours is good sleep. No more eight, nine nine hours. So I think just, but it's okay. You get used to it. That's something that I, I've gotten used to. And then you have your vacations to look forward to. <laughs> so yeah, I think that that part is definitely something that takes time and it takes reminding. Like you have to remind yourself, this is a new, new place for me. This is a new transition and it's okay. So that's definitely something that every mother will have to embrace and especially like you Cheyenne you work really hard and you like to <laughs> take on a lot so I'll, t- I'll give you this you know the backstory of my labor it was easy it was an easy labor thank god I wasn't nervous I wasn't nervous about it I just went into it it was kind of a surreal moment so what happened was is my water broke at 7 45 p.m on Friday January 25th and it wasn't like like the movies it wasn't just like this this flood of water that just comes out of you it was just like a squirt it was like one squirt and then I was like oh that's weird and I was sitting on the couch with my husband at the time and and I looked over at him and I was like I was like that was weird I think some liquid came out and he's like really and I went to the bathroom and then a lot more came out then I told him and he's like maybe it's your water Maybe your water broke. And we were just like very calm. Both of us were very calm. We didn't even like, we weren't freaking out. We were just like, I think we were staying calm because we didn't want any false alarms. We're just like, if we stay calm, we won't get too excited and you know, it be a false alarm. Cause I was, it was two, I was two weeks early. I was 38 weeks and I was expecting to deliver in two more weeks. So we called the, the nurse and she's like, okay, well, how about you take a shower and you come in? You can come in in, a, in like an hour. I was like, okay. So I took a shower. I got ready. Got my bag. My bag was already ready. We drove to, you know, Antioch, which was like 25 minutes away. And it's funny because that was the hospital that I was working at during my pregnancy. We got there. You're going into labor. We're going to check you in. And I checked in. They hooked me up to all these tubes. They put this thing around my tummy. And like they put this little pad underneath me. And I just kept, liquid just kept flowing, free flowing. It just kept going. It didn't stop. And it was slowly coming. It was just the, you know, the amniotic fluid just kept coming. And then, but at that time it was, it was 9 p.m. My contractions were two minutes apart, two centimeters dilated. They transferred me to the delivery room. It's just like a really huge room where there's a bed, there's a, there's a bathroom. There's enough space for enough staff to be in there, like the doctors and the nurses. It's enough space for me to walk around. So my husband and I were in there. The contractions were increasing. They were pretty painful by 10 p.m. 
I started feeling the contractions in my back, my abdomen, my legs, all the way up my spine. And when they come, it's like this extremely tight feeling that just kind of like, it's like someone's squeezing your uterus and it feels like you feel hot, just a very intense feeling like this and just very sharp pain as well. I was thankful to have my husband there because he really helped me get through it. He, cause typically my husband is very like, it's all about me. But at that moment, it was about me. It was about me and the baby. It wasn't about him. It was about me. I was able to just like be in pain and not feel shame or worried about him. Like it was just like, I'm in pain. There's nothing I can do about it. Nothing we can do about it. But just him there with me and go through that process with me was, was just really healing and just really, I just felt like, wow, if you, if you did anything in the world, this is the best thing you can possibly do is to be here while we deliver our child. And so that's what I felt like. And then, so it's 10 o'clock all along, all this, this whole time, my birth plan was to have an epidural. I was planning to have an epidural. So I wanted to wait until I was six centimeters dilated to have an epidural. But by 1130, I was fully dilated. So from nine to 1130, I was fully dilated. And she's just like, you can't get the epidural. But before that, let me tell you what happened. Let me give you the juicy details. Let me give you some of the details that nobody tells you about, right? Before you, before the baby comes out, a lot of fluid just comes out of you. All the amniotic fluid comes out. And like my stomach was so much smaller. It didn't even look like I was pregnant anymore. Yeah. So all the fluid came out. Um, my belly dropped like this is really nasty with TMI like everything all the poop just comes out like all of it like it just clears out so I was thankful that there was a bathroom in there because I was able to go do this before I delivered him and I was so worried that he was going to come out in the toilet because I was just like oh my god oh my god it just kept coming out and I was just, if this is how this works, then all right. But I heard one of my old co-workers told me, she's like, that happens. It's normal. And I, and I'm thankful that I had that conversation with her because I would have been so scared if I'm just like in the toilet and all this is just coming out of me. Yeah. I was like, I kept checking to making sure he wasn't going to end up in the toilet, but it was fine. He didn't. So, and it was funny because the nurse was looking for me. She was like, I was wondering what you were doing in there so long. It's just like, so it was just really funny. So that is something that you guys should be aware of um, when you have your baby. You can either do it beforehand or you can do it while you're delivering the baby. It happens. It's just everything comes out. The thing is, is right before I delivered him, I knew he was coming. And the reason I knew is because it just, it's so much pressure. Like it feels like you have to poop. That's when you know, it's like, oh, whoa. Like my son, he's, he wants to come. He wants to come out. The nurse at the moment, at that time, she was just like, can you wait? I was like, what do you mean? Can I wait? Yeah. She asked me to wait because the midwife wasn't there. She's like, can you wait? The midwife isn't here yet. You can't deliver. I was like, uh, he's coming, you know, whether or not you want me to wait or not, he's coming. And so, but she finally came in the midwife. She came in like two minutes later 
and like there was five, five or six nurses around me and the midwife and they're like, push, push. They're all like around me. Two people were holding my legs and Phil was holding my hand. Another nurse was holding my hand and I'm like squeezing their hands, cussing and yelling. (laughs) I was cussing and yelling and they're like, you can do it. It literally feels like you're not doing anything. When you're pushing, it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. You're just like, it just feels like you're struggling. But apparently you're, you're doing something. They're just like, but I love the nurses because they, the midwives and the nurses, they really coach you and they really like help you through it. So I was so thankful that I had women around me helping me through this. You know, they were very encouraging. Um, Even though I was struggling, they really helped me through it. And I was so thankful that they were there to just like kind of like guide me through it all. And it's crazy because once he was born, I didn't feel any pain after that. No pain, no stress. My whole demeanor changed. I was so happy, like so relieved. And once he was born, they, you know, they bring him up and they put him on your, your chest for skin to skin contact. He knew who I was. He knew, he knew me. He knew me. Like he was like, that's mom. And I was just like, yep, that's my baby. And that was beautiful. <laughs> that was really beautiful. <laughs> TMI. No, no. We talked to actually told us how she pooped herself. So, but she wasn't, she didn't poo in the toilet. So. I was thankful that I was able to like do that in the toilet. I was like, yes, yes. you should be. Yeah. That's quite the accomplishment. (laughs) It was, it was a calm. I was like, this is all going to come out here and you know, not while I'm delivering. (laughs) And I felt like it's easier to push the baby out if all that's like out of the way, you know? know? Yeah, totally. Kind of doing the math. And yeah, you said like basically seven 30 to like, Cause you said he was born on the 26th. So what time was he born? Like, so I was pushing for like 20, 25 minutes. So midnight, he was born at midnight. Oh, wow. I guess I'm curious. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess you said it too. Like he just, he was ready. I think because you were so embodied, you just, you let your body do what your body needed to do versus like anticipating it for 27 hours. I guess I left that part out. I was meditating the whole time. So I was just doing like the alms, like, um, you know, the whole time. So I think that doing those, those sounds, it's like a vibration. So it helps calm your, your nerves and your body. And typically women that are stressed, all the muscles in their body kind of tense up. So it's important just to relax those muscles. Um, especially, you know, your vagina is a muscle, so you need to relax it so you can push the baby out. I think that was very helpful for me. So you can do like meditative breathing or the Lama's breathing. That's been, that's very helpful, especially when you're pushing the baby out. So just doing those things, just making sure you relax. really. I know it's hard when you're in pain, but it's just really helpful for you in the end. That's definitely was an experience. And I think something that is also important to note is breastfeeding. You know, that is a whole nother ball game. Quickly so before you jump Mike's- into that, I wanted to ask if yeah. you were happy that you didn't get the epidural after all. I was very happy I didn't get the epidural because the recovery process takes longer after you get the epidural. And then there's also the possibility of the epidural, um, messing up your back you know if they don't do it properly they can mess up your back or your spine and you have back problems for 
however long. So I was happy that I didn't do that. I did have to get a few stitches. It wasn't a lot. I think only like two stitches. They did give me painkillers for the stitches. She's like, you work so hard. You just need a little. So she just gave me, (laughs) she gave me a little and I didn't feel anything. So I didn't, I didn't even notice. I'm curious. You have a, sorry, do you have a, a high pain tolerance? I don't. That's why I always wanted to get the epidural. <laughs> I knew when I went in, I was like, I'm going to get the epidural. Like a family history. Like none, none of my sisters got the epidural. My mom didn't get the epidural. And my mom had four four kids. My middle sister had three. And my eldest sister had two kids. None of them had them. But my mom, all of her deliveries were fast, as well as my eldest sister. But my middle sister, no. Her first child took probably like 18, 18 hours to deliver. So I think she's kind of the only outlier. I mean, I think it, again, goes back to like your your embodiment and your ability to meditate and surrender and embrace it. Yeah, not like lead with fear and anticipation and anxiety and nervousness. And I know, Shalita, I didn't get the pleasure of meeting you before you had a baby, but you embody that in general, like in all aspects of your life. Um, And it's definitely something that I've taken note of and and really just admire about you. Like you just have an ease to you. And every time we hang out, I'm just feel like, ah, like it's like a breath of fresh air. (laughs) It's so nice. We do have a good time together. I think our energy just like really mesh well together. I think, yeah, like you said, I think just going into it, knowing like everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. My body is going to do what it's supposed to do. Your child wants to come out. They're going to come out. Let them come out. That's, that's my philosophy. I understand there's complications, but I feel like just going into it with ease and just embracing what's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And just surrendering in the moment and accepting what will be um, is important. Those are good affirmations too. But I, I, I think that motherhood is the best thing in the world. I'm so thankful that I'm a parent. Like I, like it's just been a beautiful journey by all means. It's not easy. Like, you know, and we all know that, but it is the best thing in the world. If you can experience it, do it. That That's my advice because kids are wonderful. They teach you so much about life and about yourself and they're just gifts. And it's for me, I, I believe that we are here to guide them and nurture them and and create space for them to just grow and and learn and love and develop. So in terms of, you know, breastfeeding, you know, they they recommend that. They like advise that so much. They push it. You know, initially when I went into it, I was like, I'm only going to breastfeed for four months. Yeah, that was a joke. I was like, I'm just going to do four months and then I want my boobs back. And no, like that didn't happen. Four months went by. I was like, you did longer or shorter? Longer. Yeah. So I I ended up doing it for 11 months. So my journey with breastfeeding. So you have to, it's a lot of multitasking. Breastfeeding is a whole separate job on top of being a parent, a mother to a newborn. And if you have a significant other, like, the, you know, 
you have all those different jobs. So like the first two weeks, my son went at it on one boob. Like he just really favored one boob. What happened was, is like the skin around my nipple just started coming off. It was so painful that I had to stop breastfeeding for two weeks. It was so upsetting for me because I was so scared and I was so nervous. I was like, how am I supposed to feed my son? Like if I can't breastfeed, how am I supposed to do this? So I was just stressed out. I was crying. I ended up having to use the breast pump. And that's a separate job on top of breastfeeding, pumping your boobs is a lot because typically the baby has to eat every two hours. So if you're pumping, you have to pump every two hours. So I, I had to do it. And if I don't, my boobs would get so engorged and they would hurt and then just like leak everywhere. Um, and that's not good for you or the baby. Um, so so I would have to wake up in the middle of the night and do that around the clock. And really what helped me get through that is I used the, um, there's a there's a breastfeeding, it's not breastfeeding, but there's a breast pump bra, like a, a specifically a bra where you put the, 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 uh, the pumps inside of the bra and you don't have to hold the breast pump. You just like sit there. You can watch your favorite show for like 15 minutes while you're pumping. And so I did that. So I would just sit and like breast, like pump my boobs for 15 minutes and I'd watch one of my favorite shows and then I'd drink water. And that helped me get through it because it's really hard. It hurts the first month of the breast pump because it stretches your nipples out. And it is painful. Um, but, you know, it's just something they, they, they you have to go through when you're doing the pump. Um, and I talked to my sister and I talked to the nurse and they're like, yeah, they're going to stretch out. Um, and it's just a part of it. Um, so that happened. And, and then once my nipple healed, I was able to start breastfeeding him. But that took another two weeks for him to latch back on. He did not want my boobs. He didn't. And so I was stressed out then. But I just kept trying. I kept trying. Even though it took me two weeks for him to get back on, I just kept doing it. And he finally did it. And, you know, I and I understand, like, some mothers get really just fed up and they just stop, you know. But I was just like, I have to, like. This is a really good, it's a really good bonding experience. It, it's really healthy for the baby. And he grew so well. Like he was so like healthy and chubby and like, um, so yeah, that's, that's my breastfeeding experience. Um, by the time he hit 10 months, I was done. Like I was like, you need to get off my boobs. You, you eat solid foods now. Like you, you don't need my boobs anymore. So, because we started feeding him solids around five months and, um, it was helpful because it helped him sleep through the night. So when their belly can stay full longer through the night, then they sleep longer. Um, opposed to just the breast milk. That's why they eat every two hours because the breast milk just goes right through them. Just they drink it, poop, wake up, you know. Um, 
So, yeah. And then, and I'd say the hardest part of being a new mom is just the sleep deprivation. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like I was hallucinating at some points. Like I was like hearing things. I, I thought I was hearing him cry. I thought I was like hearing so much. And I'm like, I'm just tired. Let me just go to sleep. Let me take a quick nap. I'm just tired. Um, but I think what really is helpful is if you have someone, if either it's your mom or your partner to help you or whoever, or an aunt to help you with the, your baby, maybe do like four hour increments, like, you know, your, your boyfriend or your husband will take the baby for four hours while you go to sleep or, and then you just switch, just keep doing that. That will help you survive the first year. Do you recommend taking family leave like with your partner or like one person takes it and then the other person takes it afterwards? So he did the first six weeks and then later on he took another six weeks. So the first six weeks y'all were together then? Yes, we were together the first six weeks and that was helpful. My mom did come four weeks later after he was born. So that was helpful as well. So kind of like staggered, Phil went back to work. My mom was still there to help me. I'm going to give you some tidbits about postpartum because I think that's really what you need, right? That's what you want to hear. Another TMI, I um, encapsulated my placenta. Yeah, so I researched a lot of things that would help with baby blues, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Like I research what can help me, uh, you know, possibly not go through any of that. And, and so I found, I thought I researched a woman who does it in the Bay area and she did, it was affordable. I, it was $300 and I had to pay like a $25 fee for her traveling. So she came to the hospital and picked up the placenta. So what happens is the nurses will ask you, they're like, do you want to keep the placenta so you can get it encapsulated? I said, yes. So they take it to the laboratory, they clean it, bring it back, put it on ice. The lady came and took it from the hospital and did her business. I don't know what she does. I think she does something with it, but she encapsulated it into like little tiny pill forms. It took it for three months after. And I was able to like spread it out even longer. Like she was like, oh, you can take two a day. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna take one a day or I'll skip one day. It was so helpful. I had so much energy. I was energetic. I was able, so six weeks after I gave birth, you can work out. So I was going to hot yoga, which is like an hour and 30 minutes. And then after that, I'd go into a cycling class. <laughs> Girl, I had so much energy and I was going off of like four hour, three hours of sleep. I had so much. I was happy. I was just feeling good. My skin was glowing. Just doing it. I was taking my son out every day. I didn't stay in the house. I knew that if I stayed in the house every single day, that would make me depressed. So I was like, we're getting out. We're going to go get some sun. So every single day I've made a point to go either on a walk, go to the store, go to the park. And and it helped me um, with him because I wanted him to get used to like being out and about. So that's my, that's my advice. If, if you're thinking about it or you're like, oh, that's too gross. But 
I thought it was gross before. And then I researched it and I was like, this was the best decision I ever did in terms of postpartum care. And another thing that no one told me, you know, about after you give birth is just like your body, your body just like changes for me when my body just was exhausted. Like, like it just, I felt like I wasn't the same person anymore, like physically gained 22 pounds, but I lost most of it. Thank God. Another TMI. So when you deliver your your baby, you know, you, you tear a bit, you might tear in the front or the back. So I, I tore and you can't take a shower. You have to take you, you can't even take showers. You have to like use a spray bottle to like clean yourself. So the spray bottle has water and sea salt in it. It helps heal the scarring after delivering your baby. So that's something that I didn't know. So I'm literally using a squirt bottle every single time I go pee or anything like, and it's so painful to go pee or just use a bathroom. So you're squirting after you pee, then you have to spray it with this, like, I don't even know what the spray is. I forgot what it's called, but it's just, it's not a pleasant experience. And then imagine if you have a C-section, like that whole process is really challenging. Those are the details that no one really talks about. Like that's the, the ugly part of being a new mom is just like going to the bathroom, taking a shower. Like it's, it's really hard. It's really challenging. Um, yeah, this isn't TMI. Like, we appreciate it. That was, I didn't know about um, the spray bottle. I didn't know that either. Like, I had no idea. I was like, my sisters had kids. They never told me about any of this stuff. I'm like, hello. So I think that that's really important. And then while you're pregnant, just having really trusted medical professionals around you, like people that you trust. And when I was pregnant, I was a part of a centering group and the centering group is wonderful. Like it's this, so we would meet twice a month. So it was a group of women that were all pregnant around the same, you know, trimester. We'd meet and we would discuss uh, what it would look like during pregnancy and what it would look like after pregnancy, what to expect, what is postpartum depression, what are the signs to look for. And we would also check our weight, check our belly size, just do any checkups because and the women who ran the centering group were two midwives. So they were there to answer any of our questions. So I think like having that was so beneficial for me. And I was able to meet in that group the entire time I was pregnant until I delivered. And I stayed in touch with those like eight women for a while after I delivered. And we'd like send each other pictures of our kids and stuff. So that was really important. And then even after you have your kid, like you do need support. So I do recommend using this app called Peanut. It's really beneficial. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Okay. It's like Tinder for moms. <laughs> like you're able to like kind of pick who you think would be a good match for you. You can kind of figure out, oh, her, their child is the same age as mine. Um, they're living in the same area as me. For me, 
I was able to meet two women and we went to baby yoga classes together. We would go to lunch every week. So we made a point to like meet and go to the park, have lunch. Just having that support was so beneficial because it's a new experience for you and for your child and they're transitioning and to be able to like vent and get advice from each other. Like, Oh, what products are you using? Are you using this pacifier or this bottle? You know, all of that is really important. Um, it might sound minimal now, but during that time, it's going to be crucial for you. So I like how you brought that up. Cause in a couple other episodes, Cheyenne, you know how we were talking about like, it takes a village and like some people have their family as a village, right? But Shalita, you went out and created your own village. Yeah, I did. Which is like awesome. I did because my family live far away. Like my sisters live, both of them lived an hour away from me. My father lives in Long Beach, you know, just and my mom out of state. So I definitely needed that added support and it it really was helpful i love the peanut app oh yeah i do too um, they even have you can even follow them on instagram i i had read that the creator of the peanut app, i think she created bumble too but she actually really yeah she created like another dating app and then she did the peanut app but i was kind of cute I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up too and that you had success with it because i was like i wonder if that's like are these people tripping are they you know what i mean yeah I think it's cool to just like meet at a an event or a space where other moms are meeting because there's a, like a lot of mom things like mommy boot camps and baby yogas and swim classes, like just doing those, joining those and then meeting at those places and kind of seeing if you vibe well with them is good. Like I, there was a few people that I met and I didn't really vibe well with them, you know, like I was like, okay. It wasn't a match. (laughs) Um, So, so that part. And, and then you can also just go, if you don't want to meet people, you can just also go on there and like ask for advice. Like, you know, what type of bottle are you using? Like I mentioned earlier, or what type of foods can you feed your, your baby at this age? If it's like five months or six months stuff like that. You know, and there I will say the challenges that I did have while I was pregnant was just mainly with my partner or my husband. Like I just felt like he didn't understand how much I needed him. Like I needed him on a different level. Like I needed him to be there for me emotionally. Like I was going through a lot of hormonal changes and body changes and just transitioning and and that that need to have family around me i needed that all of it and i didn't have that so i needed him i needed him to be close i needed him to be there for me so there were times where like i was really upset and i would cry because i needed him um he eventually he eventually got the picture like we're not together anymore right currently but while i was pregnant we were we stayed together and when 2020 hit and the pandemic hit, that's when we separated. That's another whole ball game that, but that's a part of the story. That's a part of my story, but I don't, but um, and in terms of parenting, I definitely, it's definitely something you have to, like Cheyenne said, just like I try to meet my son where he's at because 
kids will change so much. They will one week they're mama. And then like two weeks later, they're saying like four or five words or one week they are wanting to hug you and cuddle you. And the next they're just like, no, I'm independent. I'm going to go here. And they're pushing you away, you know? So I think just kind of just gauging their personality and really asking them questions like, what do you need? What do you want? And then just really explaining to them, well, you can't have this because just giving them a full explanation about it, really. Um, Because some people think that kids don't understand. They really do. They actually do. They're like, oh, they're young. They don't understand. Like, "Ah." you'd be surprised. They're very intuitive. They pick up on energy so well. So if your energy is off, they are going to pick up on that. So just making sure you check yourself before you you interact with your kids because you might be trying to be kind and hug them and but deep down inside you're just in a really bad mood and you're angry and you and you're bottling up inside your kid is going to really feel that and detect it and maybe even internalize it so i think just taking care of yourself is also very important i think that that's something that i definitely recommend take care of yourself get that self care in that w- that was another important part of the early stages of being a new mom like i was like i had to take care of myself if i didn't take care of myself then i couldn't be a good mom so i made sure to schedule in self care a few times a week Or even if I couldn't do like a full workout, I would like leave the house for an hour, go to Target or just sit in the car or something. Just leave the house, get out of there for a bit and just take that time for yourself is very important. So many great tips, honestly. Yeah, you're very good at just constantly being really mindful and aware of yourself. and when to switch it up, when to step back, you know, like you're very cautious of all of that and you make it sound so easy. I don't know, maybe it's also um, just the intentionality behind like you having kids and back to the meditation, back to you planning and like, you know, having that, that group and like being, you know, that was super, I feel like Cheyenne, Mm -hmm. a lot of the people on the podcast have, they weren't, their pregnancies weren't really planned. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. So it's so interesting hearing your, your story. That is interesting. That's a really good point. That is interesting. No, yeah, I mean, that that's a really good point. And the difference between a planning it versus not planning it, you know? And what comes with that? Like, are you playing catch-up? Are you kind of like your, your horse is in front of your car, as they say? And so you're really in the driver's seat and you're in full uh. control and you're making all the decisions and, you know, you're doing your research and... You're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's things that you can't plan for as well. I mean, you can can try that are going to come up that you have no idea how to handle. 
like when he started teething at four months, I didn't know what to do. And he was in so much pain. I, you know, cause I was able to soothe him and like give him the things that he need when he was upset or stop his crying. But whenever he um, was in pain from the teething, I couldn't do anything. There was nothing to really alleviate it. They have all this stuff on the market, but none of it works. And there's all these like tricks and remedies, but none of it works. So it's kind of one of those things that you just got to let them go through and just trust that they're fine. You know, they'll, they'll be okay. They're going to make it through it. It's just a part of life. They won't even remember it. I don't remember teething. So I'm pretty (laughs) sure you guys don't remember it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're very good at like checking yourself whenever you like you never get ahead in terms of am I doing this right okay no it's fine we're gonna it's gonna be yeah. okay um I love that yeah yeah just trust the process I guess I was Think curious out. about like so what what was your experience after you stopped taking the placenta encapsulation pills did everything like just change or you were it was like a slow release for me, I think it, it felt like it just like accelerated my healing process. Like instead of it taking me six months to get back to my regular self, it kind of just accelerated it. Like I was able to get back to my energetic self pretty quickly and I was able to work out and have a lot of energy and then But after the pills were gone, I just felt like my normal self. I didn't, I wasn't sad or anything. You know, I wasn't my regular self. I still continued to do the same things. I just kept my regimen. So I think that's another thing is just sticking to a schedule when you have kids. So every day I had a schedule that I went by. So making sure that you stick to those schedules will definitely alleviate any anxiety or stress when you have kids, like making sure that they go to go to sleep during their naps, they eat at the same time and making sure you take a nap with them or somewhere in the house. Just everyone told me that they're like, make sure you sleep when he sleeps. And I'm just like, okay, I'll do my best. There's a lot of the times I didn't, I would end up cleaning or, or taking the time to make like my favorite meal. Cause that was like another self-care for me. It's just like, I'm going to make my favorite meal while he's sleeping. And it was like really nice. Cause that was the only time I could eat really. <laughs> but yeah, I do love how you mentioned like, you know, finding support, tapping into resources around you. I remember, you know, casually when we were talking one time before you mentioned that um, you had Kaiser and they had a lot of really good, like, mommy resources and classes and things like that um yeah which is great to take advantage of yeah I definitely recommend like whatever class that they offer if you have Kaiser whichever insurance if you if you don't have Kaiser maybe just like look into classes that you're supposed to take like Lama's classes where it teaches you how to put on a diaper and how to hold a baby, how to feed the baby. That's really important because you take your partner with you and they learn the same thing. So just, I always recommend just having your partner with you at all of those classes, if it's feasible. I'm trying to think, I think there was like three classes that we're supposed to take. I I actually didn't make it to my Lama's class because he was born 
on that day that I was supposed to attend it. <laughs> so, so, and it was funny because the nurse is like, you can teach the Lamaze class now that you gave birth. <laughs> like, uh, sure. I was like, no, I want to go home with my baby. So I'm trying, I can't really remember all the, the extra classes that I took. I think it was just, I took a tour of the hospital. So you definitely take a tour of the hospital, figure out your baby plan or your birthing plan, your birthing plan. Yeah. Yeah, just making sure you write down what you want to happen in the event of this or that, because it's likely that you may not really be able to advocate for yourself or, yeah, call the shots. So having it all on paper so they can refer to it mm-hmm. and follow it. Yeah, and it will include whether you want, like, if you were going to take any, like, drugs, any medications, uh, if you want a C-section, if you want to take the epidural There's a lot of, they have like a list of drugs that you can take if you don't want the epidural. What you want to happen after you deliver the baby? Do you want the baby to have skin to skin contact with you or with your partner? Just a lot of details like that. Also, like I mentioned earlier, like if you want to encapsulate your placenta, that's also included. If you want to have anyone in the room with you besides your husband or your partner, just a lot of those details. Well, now you're three plus years into uh-huh. it. <laughs> you have quite the most adorable, beautiful baby boy. What's been your favorite stage so far? I mean, all of it's wonderful. I think I loved being, I loved his, when he was like an infant, like he was a little baby. And when he was one, just so much fun. Because he was, he was walking he was still sucking on the pacifier, so he didn't talk that much, but he made a lot of like noises and like little, little, they were so funny. He was hilarious with this little pacifier. Like he would just like make little grunts and stuff while he had it in his mouth and he would laugh with it. It was just so cute. And then he was like in that stage of like learning how to walk. And that was really exciting. I think just watching him learning how to walk and like holding on to all the, the tables and different surfaces was so cute. And you can see him like really concentrating and the development of it, just watching the things transition and move like, okay, now you were once crawling. Now you're standing up on things and now you're kind of taking steps and now you're walking now you're running you know so it's just it just keeps going just that transition period and now he's three he turned three a few months ago and you know they say twos are terrible but I think threes are threes top they top it off like it's definitely a lot more challenging because he can talk he can say full sentences and he's very demanding and he's very smart and he knows how to get his way, but he's a lot of fun. And I think that this this period in his life is really important because he's just a, like a sponge. So I try to make sure that I can make a lot of moments teachable. Like, okay, even when we're listening to music, I, I try to point out like the different um, instruments that are playing. And he remembers those things like, And so when we're listening to like jazz or like blues or something, he's like, oh, that's a trumpet, mommy. Or there's a piano, you know, he's a music head already. This is a really fun stage. It's a beautiful stage as well. Even though he runs my life, he's still a lot of fun. When you're having like such a 
a hard day and life is crazy. And, but when you come home and your little one is excited to see you and they give you a big hug, like everything just melts away. I think that that's just the piece that just makes you feel like, okay, this is worth it. All the struggle is worth it. If I could just get that hug, that love from you. What are you thinking is like one, I mean, maybe not one, but like final words of wisdom, advice, anything. What are your closing thoughts? I think once you become a mom, I think it's important to not forget about yourself. Like don't forget about Shay or Jen. Like remember that you still are this vibrant, sexy being and you still have your own mind and you still have a beautiful body regardless. Just keep being sexy. How about that? Just keep being sexy. Like don't forget about your femininity. Like you are a woman. You are powerful. Mm. You are still sexy. You are still desirable, regardless of whether or not you have a, a child or whether or not you have, you have, you know, your mom, you know, don't forget that. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I think that that's important to realize and to remember, you know, society just like, well, well, you have, you have children, you're your mom. That's all you are. It's like, no. I'm a woman first. Yeah, I'm a woman first. And yeah, I'm a woman with a child. Which should so. give you more value and more sex appeal. Yeah, and you're you're holding all this. You become wiser. You're, you know, you're... I yeah. love that. Stay sexy. Stay sexy. <laughs> Remember that you're sexy. <laughs> How about that? Well, if anyone hasn't told you lately, you still got a girl. Jen, any final thoughts? So I really appreciated everything that you said. And nothing was TMI. <laughs> I really I okay. no, really. Like I this is what it's for, right? It's like, what really mm-hmm. is it like? And so I really appreciated all of it. Good. I'm glad. Uh-huh. Yeah, lots of gems were dropped for sure. Hi, audience. I hope you enjoyed our last guest, our last super mom. And thank you, Shalita, so much for your time. For yes, real. thank we you so super much. appreciate it. And we hope you enjoyed this space. Of course, I did. I appreciate you allowing me to speak on this platform. And I hope that it's helpful for both of you and other women out there that are you know, going to embark motherhood.